Welcome to Conversations at the Cohen Center, a podcast about the humanities and interdisciplinarity, produced by the Cohen Center for the Humanities at James Madison University. Welcome to Conversations at the Cohen Center. My name is Connor, and today I'll be sitting down with Dr. Joost Burgers, an Associate Professor of English and the Digital Humanities Specialist for the College of Arts and Letters at JMU. Welcome to the podcast, Joost. Hi, great to be here. Uh, tell me a bit about yourself and uh, your professional background. So I grew up in the Netherlands, which is why I have such a weird first name, Joost. Uh, it's not very common. Um, I did my graduate work at the CUNY Graduate Center and then had a tenure-track job there for a while, but then got offered a position at Ashoka University in India. And so that's where I've been most recently. Uh, but all along the way, I've been working on a project called Digital Yakmatafa, which is out of the University of Virginia. This is a project that tries to map all the characters, locations, and events in William Faulkner's Yakmatafa fictions. And that's also my connection to the digital humanities. What inspired you to dive into the digital humanities? And why do you believe this is a field that we should be paying attention to? I started doing the digital humanities pretty much by accident. Uh, when I started college, I was a computer science major and I really wanted to work on computers. But then I got lured into English and I started doing that. But I noticed that the way that people were doing English uh, wasn't always the most efficient in my mind. So sometimes what I would do if I were to look at books and figure out which authors would influence one another, I would use my computer programming skills to kind of figure out similarities between text. Uh, to me, this felt like cheating, because really you're just supposed to read all the books in English, but I figured this was a way to do some, some shortcuts. And then as it turns out, this is actually just called digital humanities, where you're using these different computational techniques to figure out things that, about text that would be very difficult to do uh, if you were just one singular human reader. What technologies do you use to like figure these things out? I'm so curious. I've never heard of this before. So um, the Digital Yakimitafa project makes use of what's called a relational database that allows us to look at different data tables and, and how they coordinate with one another. So we can track character movement not only in space but also in time. And then if you're going to scale up and you're going to look, say, at 1,000 or 10,000 or a million books at the same time, you use, have to use different computational techniques. And for that, I use a uh, statistical programming language called R, which has all these different packages that uh, do this, these types of advanced calculations for you. That's really cool. So like, what classes um, are you teaching at JMU, and are, how are you like incorporating these into your classes? Well, I'm teaching a class right now called Literature and Technology, and in that class we're looking at different works and how those different works look at technology, but then at the same time we're looking at digital projects uh, that remediate those texts. So we've looked at the Blake, uh, William Blake's poetry, but then also looking at the William Blake archive and looking at how um, Blake created these custom uh, drawings for all of his manuscripts. Likewise, we'll be looking at archival material for Mary Shelley's work, Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. And we'll, of course, be looking at the digital Yakmatafa project because it's my own hobby horse. Mm -hmm. And we'll be looking at different uh, tools we can use to get more insight into the corpora. Oh, my gosh. That's a, that's a lot. I mean, I've never heard of anyone doing anything like that before, like, especially like Mary Shelley, William Faulkner. Like, what draws you to those people? It's a little bit of um, 
uh, you know, push and pull on both sides. On the one hand, um, the way that these digital projects develop is oftentimes if there's a major author, that's when the projects are, uh, are created around them. And then on the other hand, there's of course has to be the user interest. So it's it's a little bit of column A, column B, uh, but essentially um, it's a matter of um, pairing these texts off with these, these technologies that are out there. I've never honestly been encouraged to use like any kind of coding or anything like that. Um, do you find that that's similar with JMU students here? Like, do they have like more experience with tech? I've been here all of three weeks, so I can't make any oh, assumptions really? about oh, yeah, really? JMU oh students. Yeah, brand new. So brand how did you How did you um, get to JMU? Like, what What led you to? Well, uh, the, the, the College of Arts and Letters wanted to create a new DH minor, mm-hmm. and so I was a good fit for that position. Mm-hmm. And since I'd done similar work at my previous university. Um, and since it just felt like an exciting opportunity, I came here and hopefully to start a DH minor. So really this course is a little bit of a pilot to figure out what types of questions JMU students have and what types of technologies they may be comfortable with mm-hmm. and how we can build out a DH minor that would link um, STEM and the humanities a little bit more closely. And that's great in terms of like technology development. Like we all kind of have to have some knowledge and some grasp on it for across our careers. I think that's really important that JMU is even looking into that. Yeah, exactly. And it's often assumed by the olds that uh, younger generations somehow have this technical ability that's innate mm-hmm. because they're on the internet more often than um, than an older generation. But that's, that's simply not true. There's no such thing as a digital native. You know, there's people who use certain technologies more than others, but that doesn't necessarily mean that uh, you can use these computational technologies for the analysis of literature. So just because you're on Instagram a lot doesn't mean you know how to code, right? right. So um, part of the, the, the goals of the curriculum is it will be to introduce the types of information literacies that will be um, required for the 21st century job force. How do you see like the digital humanities developing? Do you think that it could become a major someday? Like, and even beyond the university, like where are you seeing this pop up and be um, really influential in terms of like student development and even like academic research? I don't think that digital humanities as a topic is um, robust enough to be a major because it's more a way of thinking. Mm-hmm. It's a, a different way of doing the work that you would be doing in another discipline. So history uses digital humanities, and in particular, JMU's history department is very good about uh, a lot of the digital humanities research being done. Um, but doing DH research in, say, history or in comp ret or in English or in psychology or sociology. Those are all different fields. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the advantage of a minor is that you get some of the methodological underpinnings, uh, but you still do your work in your discipline. So you can leverage that knowledge towards your discipline. I think oh, that's okay. I think that's more important than carving out something that's called digital humanities, which is a, a bunch of different things, really. So, like, how do other departments use it, and like, comparative to what you're doing with it? Right. So, th- when I teach intro to DH, I usually the first class is that I tell students that there's no such thing as DH, mm. because 
everyone's doing it slightly differently. For example, in the history department, they're using some of the technologies in the lab to map out and to create virtual displays of um, some of the local architecture at uh, in Harrisonburg and the surrounding area. That's something that you can't really do in English. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't go to... Um, Frankenstein's laboratory and capture it in 3D because there, there's no uh, lab to go to. So just on a basic level, there's just different types of questions that different fields are going to be asking. Mm-hmm. Um, likewise, in something like the philosophy department, uh, one of the set of questions that um, is, is very pronounced for philosophers right now is digital ethics and the ethics of privacy and technology. That doesn't even require technology to think about it, right? So uh, it really depends on the discipline and what types of technologies or affordances are available and what types of questions need to be answered. Gotcha. So tell me a little bit more about the the William Faulkner like mapping thing that you've got going on. I looked at it and I was like, what? This is really cool, but I I feel like I needed, like, I'm like, what am I looking at? Like, I want to talk to him about this. Yeah, it's pretty overwhelming. And it's, uh, in, in part, it's unique to William Faulkner. So Faulkner famously writes Absalom, Absalom which is a very confusing novel. And his editor is like, people are not going to understand this. I need you to help us out. So he does three things. He creates a genealogy, a timeline, and a map. And the map is the thing that becomes uh, the central point for digital Yakubatafa. Because on the map, he doesn't just plot the events of Absalom, Absalom, but he plots the events of other things that have happened in his famous Yakubatafa County. So mm-hmm. his hometown of... Um, um, Oxford is is in that county, but he reimagines it as Jefferson and Yakimatafa. And so rather than having one isolated novel, Faulkner is writing this whole world. And the the initial impetus of the project was to say, well, where do events take place in this world? If we were to take this map and project other events onto it um, and other characters, where would that take place? Of course, if you start locating different events, you have to start locating characters and you have to start creating different locations. So that was the origin of the database. And basically since 2012, um, me and about 30 to 60 other scholars have been meticulously plotting all of this out. And now that we have all this data, we can um, start looking at how this world operated at scale. Okay, so that makes sense, though, because in some things that you read, you're like, I'm being transported somewhere else. So I guess it makes sense for Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. So what are your plans with that in your class or in, like, how how are you going to conceptualize that? Well, with the Mary Shelley, uh, there isn't a mapping project involved as such. But what we'll do in class is we'll look at um, the text as printed from 1818, and then we'll look at her first manuscript online and see what changes she made. What's interesting about that text is also that her husband came in and and revised a bunch of stuff. So we'll we'll think about uh, what authorship means in this context, like when the text is printed and there's uh, an authorial name on it, is that really just that one person or are there different sources of inspiration in the creation of that text? So are you like teaching anyone coding? Do they have to know that in your class or? Not this class, not the lit in technology, because this is um, uh, a, gen ed cor- a gen ed course. And I think it'd be a little unfair to the students to yeah. say, like, this is going to be a literature course and all of a sudden they have to do coding. But we'll think about uh, some of the computational principles behind what we're doing. So we're looking at um, we're going to be looking at science fiction writing from the 20s and 30s. 
And rather than looking at one or two stories, we'll look at about 100 stories and look at linguistic patterns and think about um, what types of themes emerge from this. And we'll be using a software called Voyant that does word frequency calculations and all that good stuff. And we'll think about some of the computation behind it. Like, when is, uh, when is something just noise and when is something a signal in the data that's giving us an indication that something's going on? How do you see this class as a gen ed carrying with students and affecting them in any one of their career paths? I think what I'm trying to do is open up a different set of questions to them that might lead them to think about their major a little bit differently. I think once you get into university, you're often divided into STEM and humanities. Mm-hmm. And at JMU, that's, that divide is quite literal because there's a highway running through the, the STEM and the humanities. Uh, but I would like to, to think of themselves as complete thinkers so that just because you're strong at math doesn't mean you can't also enjoy literature. And just because you enjoy literature doesn't mean that somehow technology is exclusive of you, that you could also use technology towards your own ends. Um, so that's why also I want to keep coding on the background. It's useful to know coding. And if you're going to do a DH minor, there will be a coding component. But um, that coding is more to kind of get a sense of what you can ask computers mm-hmm. um, rather than being able to, to, to do the coding yourself. Okay, so is it like HTML? So, uh, t- to be determined, really. <laughs> um, kind of like, you know, which language do you study the literature in? You could do it in French, German, or English, or Italian, or, um, or Hindi. It doesn't, you know, the, the language is sort of agnostic. It's the, what to what end do you want to do it? So uh, for certain things, R is a good language. For other things, you know, something like JavaScript and HTML is what we use for digital Yakmatafa. Mm-hmm. Sometimes Python is a better language. And so it's, it's not so much about um, the specific language, but kind of understanding what it is that computers do and then figuring out how to ask those questions of the computer. Okay. Um, I will say that DH projects are all fundamentally collaborative. So there's a lot of technical stuff that I, I don't understand about digital Yakmatafa, mm-hmm. but that's why we have computer coders who do that stuff. Right. And there's stuff that they don't understand about Faulkner, and that's where I come in. So it's rather than seeing it as like you need to know everything, it's you need to know uh, what you can know, and then figuring out who knows the other stuff so you can work together. A lot of people, I, th- I know, like dread group projects, right? But it can be really, really important. And I think that that's really cool that you can highlight that in, in your discipline. Absolutely. And oftentimes in DH, the, the, the work is posted on the internet, which is the ultimate form of peer review, mm-hmm. uh, where you know you might have this idea and you have this visualization that you create, but you put it on the web and you realize people don't understand what it means or how it works. Um, and you really only get about 10 seconds till people figure out that they don't want to look at it anymore and they move on, which is a lot different than an essay you're assigned in class because you just have to read it for the class. Mm-hmm. So when you're generating work for the internet, um, you have to create all these different on-ramps for different users to figure out what it is they can get from that site. Um, and that's a really great but also kind of sometimes soul-crushing peer review process because you could work on something for months and realize that users don't actually like it. And you can say, well, the users are stupid, but if that's your um, if that's your premise, then you're not going to do very well on the internet, right? Like right. you can't, right. <laughs> you can't insult the uh, the audience, right? And everyone on the everyone's on the internet now. Yeah. Like, I, I even if you don't have social media, you have you most likely have access to some form of internet. 
Um, and I think that it's it's important to know who exactly you're going for because now your audience is like the world. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And I'm happy to announce that this year our site got 750,000 unique users. Wow. Which by internet standards is nothing because, you know, there's – you know, some cat videos that get like 30 million views. Mm -hmm. But if you think about the average academic work that gets maybe 2,000 prints, Mm -hmm. 750,000 eyeballs uh, is a a lot, or actually twice that, 1.5 million eyeballs if everyone has two eyes, then that's that's a lot of views. So uh, it's a great way to reach an audience who, you know, maybe just curious about Faulkner and they end up on the site and uh, what we hope is that they, that we nurture that curiosity and they, they go deeper and deeper into the work. Awesome. Um, is there anything else that you would like listeners to know about DH, about your work, about just anything that's going on on the internet and how, how this can expand to them? That DH is fundamentally for and by humans, even though it has the word digital in it. And I would love anyone who has even the slightest interest in computers or humans to come see me in my office and talk to me about this topic because we want to build a DH minor um, that's going to be impactful for JMU students. And the only way we can do that is if we get a good sense of what JMU students want and where they see themselves going in their career. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Conversations at the Cohen Center. Make sure to follow us at Instagram and Twitter at JMU Cohen Center. And be on the lookout for more conversations at the Cohen Center.